Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founder colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. Hi guys, so we are thrilled to have on the show today three extremely driven and highly ambitious New York-based women who have together founded the all-in-one workspace platform to power the travel trade industry. Yes, that's right. It's called Reposit. And the co-founders join me today. We have Jamie Ghetto, Alexa Barub, and Heather Stoopy. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much for having us, Jen. Happy to be here. It's so good to have you girls here. So I want to say girls, but I'll say ladies because I I don't know about you guys. I don't like being referred to as a girl, so I'll say ladies. Um, Ladies, it's so fabulous to have you here today. You are hot off the heels of a 2.5 million raise led by Liberty City Ventures. Now, this raise will also no doubt help Reposit make a good mark on the what is a $352 billion travel industry and growing. It's been a hard year, but (laughs) it's growing. You guys, from my understanding, you've designed Reposit to help the travel industry rebound, rebound rather, stronger than ever before. So some of your clients include, and please jump in um, because there's some I may be missing as well, obviously, but are and not limited to multi-billion dollar travel organizations like Madison Square Garden, MoMA, the Guggenheim Museum, American Museum of Natural History, the Hyatt, and the list goes on. So you guys are really working with the cream of the top. (laughs) It's quite amazing. Um, All three ladies were named. Yes, that's right, people. You heard it here. Probably not first, but you're hearing it here. They were named in the Forbes 30 under 30 list for 2020. So congratulations, ladies. This is a huge feat. These women are not unfamiliar to the startup landscape having senior level positions at Vetri, which is an AI machine learning talent matching platform for the recruitment industry. Now, Reposit is a SaaS startup that wants to help travel agents with their daily tasks. But more than this, it's a workspace tool for travel and events professionals to handle communications, sales proposals and payments. While the travel industry is huge and most people who work in the industry still don't have a good system, believe it or not, um, to deal with the amount of information, orders and communication, this is exactly where Reposit comes in. So again, welcome ladies to the Parlay Me Power Players podcast. Huge congrats on the Forbes 30 Under 30 nominations. This is an extremely exciting time. Um, I guess I want to say in your collective entrepreneurial lives. To get recognition like this must be a huge boost. Now, Jamie, I met you, I want to say, in 2016, which is nearly five years ago now, um, at Propellify Festival, or then it was called Propeller Festival, and you were the Director of Marketing of Drive Wealth. So much has happened since then. Off the bat, can you tell me, 
what it was like being an entrepreneur back in 2016 and what it's been like being an entrepreneur in 2020. Sure. I mean, yeah, January, it's been quite a lifetime, it feels, since mm-hmm. uh, since we last chatted at, um, at, at the festival. And, you know, much has changed indeed. Uh, you know, for starters, uh, we met, you know, after I had um, spoke on stage at that conference that had thousands of attendees in person, live, right? Something that's very unfamiliar these days. Uh, the company I was with at the time, DriveWell, um, you know, had a booth at the at the event as well, where we were able to do some live marketing. And 2020 has brought all of these interactions online, right? It's forced teams that have perhaps only ever, you know, worked in person in an office uh, to now work remotely. And the interactions of just entire industries or the way in which um, you, ha- you have to market um, to customers or keep engaged current customers, right? If we zoom in on, on you know, our industry, uh, you know, the travel agent industry, for example, previously relied very heavily on trade shows to grow their, their networks and businesses. And, you know, with the pandemic, those have either moved online or you know, been put completely on hold. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, I, I don't, sometimes I think it's almost a lot more opportunity for entrepreneurs now because you can literally be anywhere and access these amazing events and whatnot. But then I also feel like there's nothing quite like meeting in person and getting those network experiences. Like, you know, obviously us, for example, meeting four or five years ago, I we have a great connection from that. Would we have the same if we just met at an online conference having a chat? Probably not. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely opportunities and disadvantages. Um, but, yeah, it's been an exciting year. So so I'm really interested um, from you ladies, of, like you've all held very senior roles at what was called Vetery or is called Vetery. Um, none of you were co-founders as such, but you were very high level there. Can you tell me a little bit about your time working together there, what you learned and why you decided to build your own company? Yeah, sure. And, and this is Heather. Thanks for having us, January. We we all joined Vetery very, very early stage. So I was employee number four when I joined. Um, the team at the time was working out of an incubator um, a little bit bigger than the size of my closet, I would say. Um, and so I, I had the opportunity to build out and run, um, all of operations. Jamie did the same in marketing and Alexa did the same for the sales org. And together we scaled that company from five people in a small room to over 300 by the time we got acquired, um, three or four years later. So it was, wow. it was wild, but you know, what, what did we learn while we were there? God. Everything. <laughs> were you like the founding team or were you brought on very early or what, how like? We were brought on very early and I, I guess you could just call it right place, right time. But a lot of people would look at a small company like that and just see a lot of risk. But I think the three of us just saw a lot of opportunity um, and, it, and it was huge for us. We learned how to scale a business, what to focus on, how to hire, when it makes sense to pivot how to acquire users, everything we have in our tool set today, we learned at Vettery. And so those years of being there during hyper growth um, really gave us this this problem set um, so that we can figure out how to solve these things and, and really go after 
solving other problems really confidently. Fantastic. And when was it that Vettery, you guys came together at Vettery? Was that two, three years ago or when was it? Um, we were all pretty early. I would say the early, the early days really blur. I, I know I joined in 2014 and I think Alexa and Jamie were very shortly thereafter, but uh, we, we all were there for the, the most critical period. Of the time. Hey, fantastic. Well, look, we're not here to talk about Vettery today, but it's very interesting for our listeners to understand how you guys work together because this is a familiar story for a lot of entrepreneur teams that they've worked together previously at an organization, they've built up an organization, then they realize, hang on, why why can't we do this for ourselves more or less? So when was the moment that you guys kind of, it, it was kind of your tenure was coming up at Vettery or you decided, okay, now's the time, let's go build our own uh, baby. What, what was the moment or the deciphering moment there? We just decided that we had seen how to, build the most important elements of a business from scratch. And so, um, you know, once Vettery got acquired, we were just kind of on the hunt for a different problem to solve. Um, And then once we found one in the travel industry, it just made sense for us to go after it confidently and and attempt to solve it. And so here we are. Fantastic. Now, Reposit, um, I have to say the name's perfect because from what I understand, your platform lets you centralize all the information into one repository, so to speak. So can you tell us a little more about Reposit and I guess the key advantages for the travel industry? Like what wasn't existing before? And yeah, like exactly as you said, Heather, like what are you solving? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is Alexa. Um, by the way, thank you for the compliment on the name. We always love to hear it. Um, but just a little bit more of the functionality. Reposit is an all-in-one workspace that we built exclusively for travel and event professionals. There's really, to put it simply and, and at a high level, there's two sides to the platform. There's a core feature set we've built exclusively for like travel agents who are an event planners who are the ones planning the trips. And then there's a whole other core feature set that's geared towards suppliers and suppliers in our definition is anything from a hotel to a restaurant to a venue or an activity, anything that would be part of an itinerary or event. Um, And so on the travel professional side of things, um, it's kind of out of the box CRM for them. So they can store all of their client information, contact info, very detailed supplier information, their search functionality. They have the ability to invoice clients, pay out their suppliers and manage that payment schedule, which can be very difficult, as well as some project management features and then the ability for them to create their trips and proposals within the platform and track the status of all of those as well. And then on the supplier side, they build out their reposit profile. It has all of the information a travel professional needs in order to start working with them. They connect it to their travel professionals. And then instead of needing to send hundreds of emails or make countless phone calls to update all of their reselling partners, they can update it once through the platform. And then it's reflected in their partner's database in real time. Um, And then we also have a prospecting tool for them to be able to find and connect with new partners to sell their products through the platform. Wow. It's super comprehensive. Sounds like, yeah, no, it's terrific. Sounds like you're doing a lot. Um, Can I ask, um, you know, when did, how did the, the, the gap in the industry, so to speak, come about? When did it present itself to you guys that you realized, hang on, the travel industry really needs this? Did you know someone working in the travel industry that, you know, found it really complex and time consuming or was it a personal experience or was it research? 
food? How, how did you find that? Yeah, that's a great question. And so there's like a, a middle part of our story in between Vettery and Reposit that we haven't dove into yet. But um, when the three of us moved on from Vettery post acquisition, we actually we started another company called Nowaday. We actually ran experiences in New York City. And so we operated as a supplier working with travel professionals. Um, and we only did that for, you know, a handful of, of time before we pivoted over to Reposit. But I don't think if we were in that space, literally operating as a supplier and, and having our core partners be these travel agents, we would have the level of understanding um, that we do of the industry today. And that's what allowed us to identify uh, the gaps in the industry, both on the supplier side and the reseller side as well. Ah, oh, fantastic. Okay. So that's key piece of information. That's great. Um, yes. So tell me, um, Reposit's, you know, still a rather young startup because, um, you know, startups can go for 10 years. <laughs> um, but you're, you're very young. You're like one or two years old from my understanding. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and previous investors include Greycroft, Pritzker and Rain. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your experience raising capital? And you don't have to be super specific, but you can if you want. But what what you might have found surprisingly easy, or rather barriers you might have also found um, when you went out trying to raise your initial seed or pre seed? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think first and foremost, we are just really grateful to have such supportive investors and partners on our side. Um, our insiders and and now our new lead Liberty City Ventures, they not only believe in what we're building, um, but they also believe in our team too. They've seen us perform in the past, um, what we've been able to accomplish while working even remotely in 2020. Um, And I would just say overall, it's surprisingly easy to raise capital when you're raising it from folks who you know and that you've built a relationship with over time. Not so much if you're reaching out to somebody cold and giving them like a cold pitch. I would say that hasn't worked well for us. Um, but, you know, to, to prove out our success as a team over time and to just continue hitting these milestones that we set after, you know, investors see that and then that helps build trust. So um, it's also easy to raise capital when the market opportunity is large and you can show real traction with early users. And so we're fortunate to be in that position now, but of course that work is never done. You can't just prove it once and move on. We're always working to drive momentum and just build on that early Absolutely. traction. There's, uh, there's a saying that uh, startups are always raising. <laughs> you know, you never, you never can kind of sit back on your, you know, um, and go, oh, we've raised and now we can. No, you're always raising and you have that mentality. So um, tell me, um, you know, Forbes describes Reposit um, as a nascent company in regards to that you're just coming into fruition. So can you explain to our listeners um, kind of a little more of the Reposit journey? So how did you build, um, how did you launch and like onboard that amazing clients? Um, the list is really quite um, impressive. Um, how did you go about that? And what was it like, I guess, maybe getting that first client, you know, <laughs> where you're like, okay, we've got it. Totally. Yeah, I think it's a combination of all of our past experiences. So from Vettery to nowadays, and then um, kind of leading us to this point with Reposit. But as as we kind of talked about before, we were really part of that core founding team at Vettery. Um, we worked together for about five years until it was acquired by Adeco for for over a hundred million. 
Um, and we headed up operations, marketing, sales, and then technology as well. Our CTO was the original CTO at Vettery as well. Um, from there, we left to launch Nowaday, which was our experience company um, in New York. And that really led us to help identify this huge technology gap for the travel professional industry. Um, we saw firsthand and, and I was heading up partnerships there. So I was going to lots of meetings. It was a ton of business cards and, and pen and paper and even paper checks, believe it or not. And it just really opened our eyes to the fact of how much of that business is manual and how antiquated the tools are that these folks are, are really left dealing with. And so, you know, when the pandemic hit in March and it became illegal to operate experiences in New York City, we were able to combine that industry knowledge that we gained from Nowaday and our experience building a, a tech-enabled marketplace at Vettery. And we went heads down to de develop this solution for travel professionals and their suppliers. And then how we started to onboard them, of course, we leaned a lot on our sales and marketing experience. I've been building outbound teams um, for a while. But what I've never had the pleasure of doing, I would say, is being able to work in an industry that's already very connected. And so if you think about it, the, the marketplace and the relationships between travel professionals and their suppliers already exist. It just exists mostly offline. And our goal is to bring it online. And so we've been able to scale so quickly because it's a very relationship and referral driven industry. And so once we started to onboard our first handful of users, and those mostly came from our previous partners at Nowaday, um, they went and told all of their suppliers, their suppliers told their partners, and you very quickly have this network effect um, that kind of builds off of itself. Fantastic. And look, it sounds like you guys obviously have like you're the 360 kind of, I guess, the journey, you're the full circle, you even handle payments. And Hearing you say like paper checks, just I get I get shivers up my spine. <laughs> I, know. I know like how many I've worked in obviously America for many years and I was always just done myself how much paper checks. <laughs> and I'm like, come on people, we can do this online. <laughs> yeah. And and to echo that, January, it's like a lot of these discovery calls that we had, um, it was very timely, right, during COVID, because you have these aha moments where the folks that were sending the paper checks previously um, no longer had access to their offices because of shelter in place. And they're saying, oh, my goodness, I have a check that's been like waiting on my desk for months uh, that I don't have access to. And I mean, if that's not kind of just like uh, hammering, hammering home uh, another reason to, to bring everything online, I mean, I don't know what it is. Absolutely. No, look, uh, efficiency and transparency, it sounds like you guys are offering, so it's fantastic. Um, look, I don't want to spend this uh, podcast kind of talking about how terrible 2020 has been because we hear it every day in the papers, but it's definitely been a challenging year, right? Um, no more challenging for the travel industry. Um, it's been, well, let's say it's probably been the hardest hit. Um, how did you guys pivot during these times um, when – you know, most travel-focused companies are struggling to stay afloat. So um, I see some of you are, are actually advisors for what's called Rebuild New York. Um, also, um, tell us a, a little bit about that if you can and your roles there. But I'd love to, yeah, just hear how the pandemic, I guess, and for some companies it's accelerated things, uh, but how you've kind of balanced it. You know, like kind of a, both Alexa and Heather have um, mentioned, you know, we, we knew 
um, when the pandemic hit that we wanted to build a tool to help the travel industry rebound stronger than ever. And, and certainly Alexa being on the front lines of, um, you know, working directly with, um, uh, you know, all of our key partnerships with the tourism company and allowing us to uncover the actual kind of, you know, prompt for the product side of things. Um, we also knew that we had such an expansive network um, and, you know, wanted to come together to be able to support the community um, with both the tech that we're building through Reposit and then also through um, grassroots efforts through the community. And that's where we partnered up with, um, you know, different folks across hospitality, tourism, uh, kind of creative um, local New Yorkers uh, to form Rebuild New York, which is a nonprofit um, led by local business owners, creative community, uh, to help everyone's favorite businesses reopen stronger than ever. And the, you know, primary goal or kind of the way the platform functions, it's an open source platform uh, where businesses can share their reopening plans, you know, any unique offerings that, you know, maybe it's a virtual or in-person uh, kind of pop-up, whatever it is that they're implementing. It was less so meant to be like a government official guide and more um, inspiration, right? It's like by taking a moment to kind of cast aside competition or trade secrets and, you know, simply say, this is a way our team, you know, anyone who's kind of contributing to the site, um, this is the way our team is social distancing with customers, or here's a better way to clean your equipment um, that we can all, you know, reopen sooner and, and stronger. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just like, you know, also through this advisory experience that we realized the importance of, um, just like information, uh, having access to information that is changing on the fly, right? So um, between having to keep up with kind of government regulations and just, um, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now, if you're a supplier, right? And again, like we mentioned, suppliers for us mean hotels, activities, restaurants, et cetera, uh, that's partnered with any of these kind of travel agent companies or even your end consumer uh, for any of like your direct-to-consumer business, um, you know, how how does anyone know what's going on, what you're implementing, um, you know, whether it's, you know, a COVID procedure that um, you have up on your website or, you know, different um, kind of information that you need to pass along to partners or end consumers. It's really important to find a way, uh, you know, for suppliers to be able to get connected mm -hmm. directly to their distribution partners uh, and be able to instantly share that info that, you know, quite frankly, could change daily. Um, so that's, you know, that was definitely also um, a really interesting um, just learning through the nonprofit um, that we uncovered and have now actually built directly into the Reposit platform. Oh, yeah. So tell me a little bit, I guess it maybe elaborate a little bit more if you can, kind of how, so you launch a Reposit and you onboard your clients, like how have you found, obviously they've been affected, right, by um, the pandemic. How have you guys empowered them, enabled them? I think obviously transparency and efficiency your platform clearly, but is there anything else? Like sounds like you, it's all about relationships as well, right, um, and navigating through these times um, and things, as you said, change daily. Um, how do you guys kind of, I guess, um, balance that or manage that help manage that for your clients yeah, so absolutely and and that's the thing right it's I think we touched on it earlier with um kind of talking about the missing of human interaction and 
um, I think kind of to kick things off, right, the, re- the unfortunate reality is that a lot of folks have to do more with less now, right? Because of the pandemic, perhaps they've had to downsize a team or um, take on tasks themselves that, um, you know, maybe, you know, someone else was working on previously, or they generally need to improve efficiencies. Um, Whatever the case may be, now is the time that, um, you know, they're looking for these tools where, you know, maybe in the past, they've never considered it. So having also Mm -hmm. that kind of changed mindset is almost like a silver lining, I would say that that occurred uh, throughout all of kind of the the, uh, chaos that the pandemic kind of set set for them. Uh, And for Mm -hmm. us, you know, the way in which we've scoped and built the tool is first and foremost, you know, having this be an out of the box tool that they can use for management purposes, right? So of like their existing data and, and relationships, uh, you know, in loading in their, if, if I'm a travel agent, loading in all of my suppliers, uh, loading in all that information, inviting my suppliers to like Alexa mentioned, kind of have this dynamic CRM that gets updated and I can, you know, be in contact with these relationships. I can easily search my database because now I have structured data. But what we're also bridging is, um, you know, this human connection piece, right? And and I think this is the always a really important um, just, you know, consideration as, as really for any entrepreneur that's trying to go out and, and build some sort of SaaS or tech product is that you're ultimately dealing with humans at the end of the day and, and you want to empower those people, right? Uh, so the, the product itself is actually just made to, you know, increase efficiencies um, and plug right in to the workflows of the travel agents or event planners or, or the suppliers. Um, and so being able to create this environment where, okay, we have kind of, uh, I'm a travel agent and I have my entire kind of universe now living in Reposit and where I'm interacting. Um, the next thing, you know, logical progression is, um, I let's say I get a client uh, request to go, you know, plan a trip in Italy, and I have my um, suppliers that I work with, and I create my proposal, and I realize there's a very specific request for, um, you know, kind of dinner in the mountains on the Amalfi Coast or whatever it might be, and I don't have a supplier that I've, you know, formed a relationship, um, actually, you know, negotiated net rate agreements and. Um, in the past, I would go to a trade show, right? Like like we kind of mentioned before, that's really how the industry operated. Um, we've actually mm-hmm. built right into the Reposit platform a discover feature um, so that suppliers can actually um, plug in criteria and vice versa. Both resellers and suppliers can do this to kind of um, discover either side of the marketplace. Um, but to be able to um, add and connect with a new supplier that matches, you know, your client request criteria. And then on the flip, on the supplier side, if I'm a hotel that has worked with, you know, travel professionals or not, maybe it's, maybe it's new for me, right? And I, I want to get my feet wet and find new distribution channels. Um, you can filter for folks that, uh, you know, are you know, plan trips in your area, for example, or deal with certain group sizes or what have you. Um, and you can unlock that and you can, you know, grow your business through Reposit. So it's not just this kind of management tool. Um, we're really, you know, striking uh, the balance of having it be, you know, this workspace while also um, empowering 
uh, the, the kind of online connection, because to your point, um, it's just more of like the, the launching point, right? We make that connection and they're, then they're actually setting up the zoom calls for now. And then, you know, in the future, uh, having that, you know, of course be in person once, once it's safe, but Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and you can sounds to me like you can get quite granular, which is awesome. I mean, there's a there's a saying. Um, well, I'm Australian, obviously, but there's a, a saying in Australia like, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it," kind of thing. And to what you were saying about the industry as a whole, like the pandemic came around, it was going along fine. It wasn't broke. It didn't need fixing, but then it suddenly was broke and it needed fixing. And I think you know, um, look, the pandemic's been devastating, obviously, but there has been, um, you know, companies or opportunities that have risen up through it. And I, I would say Reposit is one of them um, that is fixing it. Um, so it's brilliant. Um, tell me, uh, look, nobody has a magic ball or anything, but what are your predictions as to when the travel industry may return? Or perhaps um, you could all answer this. I've been it could be as early as, I mean, it changes, like you said before, changes daily. Um, could be as soon as the vaccinations are rolled out. It could be, um, you know, in a few weeks. Who knows? <laughs> but when do you think it might start seeing a bounce back? Yeah, and I, and I think the, um, the biggest misconception is that travel is on hold until the vaccine comes out. And that's just, that's just not true. Um, we've been seeing a lot of really interesting trends in travel in 2020. And um, first and foremost, we've seen that the industry is resilient. And well, just like we reinvented ourselves, the industry itself has reinvented itself as well. And so an example of that is even though international travel is obviously hurting, we've seen domestic and leisure travel numbers shoot up across the board. And so some of our largest users have actually reported that domestic travel is up 30% from this time last year. Um, you know, some groups are even reporting that they're doing more revenue overall than last year, simply because they decided to make a hard and fast pivot to focus on domestic travel and focus on these areas too. And there's a bunch of other, you know, trends that we're seeing too. I don't know, Alexa, Jamie, you can speak on those, but overall it's, it's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> Yeah, good. Well, I know I've been doing a lot of domestic travel. I can speak to everyone I know has, which is great because you rediscover your local areas that, you know, you always think, oh, no, I need to go overseas to go to the best snowfields or go to the best beaches or whatever it is. And all of a sudden the pandemic comes along and you're like, hang on, we've got this kind of half an hour or an hour drive from us. Um, so it is interesting and it, it has been great for domestic travel, I'd agree. Yeah, I would just say the other thing we've seen from a supplier perspective is just like a big shift from metropolitan areas to a little bit more rural, like the natural parks are doing bigger and more business than ever. There's a lot of focus on like outdoor and wellness activities, just, you know, where social distancing is a little bit more feasible. Um, so that, that's been encouraging to see um, from a good amount of our suppliers as well. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll just chime in on here is, um, and it kind of piggybacks on my, um, you know, deep dive into the, the need to share kind of COVID policies with your partners, right? Um, same reason that it's important to share those policies is that ultimately, you want the consumer to be able to feel confident in kind of going on your tour or staying at your hotel because they feel safe. 
right? Um, and at this in the same vein, um, we're actually seeing kind of like a um, like resurgence or even uptick in um, the need for travel advisors um, because they're really needed kind of now more than ever um, to nav- help navigate COVID restrictions and requirements. I think um, while there's the appetite to travel, um, people just you know, want to make sure they're remaining compliant. Um, they're on top of whatever the latest, um, you know, regulations are related to the destination that they're going to and to have someone there as a support system and pre-plan all of that out and make sure everything is up to date. Um, you know, we've, we've definitely seen, um, you know, that there. Like that idea, travel advisor, definitely it's, it gives you you know, that peace of mind that everything's taken off and all the checkboxes, you don't know, it's nothing worse than rocking up and being like, hang on, <laughs> this wasn't what I thought. Right. Um, that's that's interesting. Um, and, okay, well, look, this has been really interesting hearing about, you know, the travel industry and, and, and look, it's enlightening to myself to hear that it's been going so well in 2020 because if you look at the media and let, let's say the media doesn't always report things the right way, it's all doom and gloom. So it's great to hear from you folks that are right in there that it's not all doom and gloom and it's actually going really well. So um, with this in mind, can you tell me, um, obviously you guys are all based in New York um, and I believe you're New Yorkers, but correct me if you're wrong, but do you think New York is a good spot to launch a startup? And if so, why? Um, and it, you know, is it, um, does it, is it sector dependent or is it agnostic and rather, um, perhaps you can all answer this. Sure. Uh, Jamie here to kick things off. So yes, I'm a lifetime New Yorker. So perhaps this is a bit biased. Um, (laughs) you know, now after I have actually spent, um, a few years living out in San Francisco, so now kind of, um, dipping my toes and in, into um, Silicon Valley there. Um, I'm certainly partial to launching a startup in New York. Um, you know, you have such an incredibly diverse landscape at your fingertips. Um, but that's kind of where COVID steps in again and really changes the game, right? As much as I have conviction around how amazing uh, New York City is to both live and, and run a business and, and found a business um, in a post-COVID world, uh, right, there are teams who maybe during this time made the switch to remote hiring, and it's unlikely that they would fully revert, you know, uh, the change that they made or you know the ability for their um, current staff to be working remotely if if that's possible through their job function, right? Um, because a lot of folks have relocated that may have been here or anywhere, uh, yeah. And I think we'll start to we'll start to see the the rise of the on-site versus the off-site, right? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting time for sure. Yeah, definitely interesting times. I mean, I personally, I love New York. Um, it's my favorite city in the world. Um, and I do love it cause it's a real melting pot, obviously like any big city. Um, but look, yeah, look, things have changed and, um, I believe it will come back, but it'll take time. What Alexa and Heather, what are your thoughts on this? I'm in the boat that that you can start a company from anywhere. The most important thing is having the team to be able to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish. And for us, um, our network is based in New York, so it made sense for us to start it here. But I think for anybody else listening who might be considering starting up their own company, um, just focus on where you can provide value and where it makes sense for you. I feel like geographic 
limitations won't be a thing anymore. Um, people can start businesses from their couches. The most important thing is that you can hire and have a team and have access to those resources. Absolutely. Um, and so I wanted to just talk really briefly about entrepreneurship as as a whole and, and kind of what drove you ladies to be entrepreneurs. It's not an easy path. Were your parents entrepreneurs? Was there a moment when you decided, I know, Jamie, back when I interviewed you in 2016, you, you, you mentioned you'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but, yeah, is it perhaps, again, this is something you can all answer, um, but I'd love to know kind of what drove you to be entrepreneurs. Yeah, for sure. And I guess uh, to, to you know, provide a bit more detail than I, I did back in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've definitely always kind of had the bug. Um, I would say it really hit me in high school in particular. Um, really? Yeah, I was just like, I was filled with kind of, I, my mind was filled with ideas. I was pretty mm -hmm. stuck on how to execute them. And I taught myself how to just like build very simple websites. I became privy to kind of buying domain names for my grand ideas and, and started building and throwing stuff against the wall. And, um, you know, I became kind of that friend that would always be pitching, a, you know, some out there idea um, or asking people to kind of test concepts. And, um, you know, once kind of I, I wrapped up and graduated college, I hopped right into the startup world, which is um, where where we met, right? I, I, I am at DriveWealth. And that's where I really paired kind of my desire to build um, with ideating around massive, like there's, there's just these, there's so many massive problems out there, um, to, yeah. that we can tackle. Um, and yeah, that's really where I kind of had the confirmation, um, to go out and do that. Fantastic. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's you, when you said you're buying domains and things, I'm like, oh my God, I used to do that too a lot. <laughs> I used to buy all these domains for all these ideas I have. And then yes, actually a few of them I sold. I go into the domain selling business, which is another whole podcast. I want to go ahead and make a, a part two of this for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Alexa and Heather, what about yourselves? Um, what drew you to the entrepreneur life? Yeah, I can't say I knew as early as high school, <laughs> um, but I've always like really looked up to my dad as a mentor and he did start his own financial planning business in middle school when he broke off from Prudential. And so that was certainly, I think, inspiring to me at a really early age. And then um, I owe a lot to those early days at Vettery. The the co-founders, Brett and Adam, really pushed me like to my to, to my limits to better myself and helped guide me in the career path of starting my own business and so um you know certainly owe a lot to them as as mentors as well but i think that early experience at, at vetery of really building a team from the ground up and working so closely with all the other departments and solving really big problems really fast was something i i loved and that's what starting your own business is all about and then I was lucky enough to meet Heather and Jamie and kind of have all of our worlds collide there. Brilliant and what about yourself Heather? Mine's more similar to Alexa. I never saw myself or or wanted to go out and say I'm going to become an entrepreneur but I was always just addicted to solving problems and figuring out a way to get something done even when all signs point to this doesn't work or that won't work. I just never took no for an answer and um, what I learned, especially at Vettery, <laughs> was that if you can solve problems, you can build businesses. And that just really gave me the confidence to be able to go out, especially doing it along 
beside these two incredible women. Um, you know, now I consider myself an entrepreneur and I can't see it any other way, but I can't say that that was always uh, the vision I had for myself. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, I guess what advice would you give a budding entrepreneur, so to speak? And I say budding, um, because look, you ladies are in the top, uh, 30 under 34, so you definitely, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs listening to this going, how did you do it? Like, what advice would you have, some do's and don'ts, I guess, and it can be just one or two. Um, there's probably a long list of <laughs> do's and don'ts you learn along the way, but maybe just one or two you could give um, some listeners today. Yeah, for me, it's always been about building really strong relationships early on and investing in those. I think you're only as strong as your your teammates and everyone else who's surrounding you. And starting a business, especially one that aims to scale really large, does take a whole village. There's so many people behind the scenes um, who have maybe even just offered advice or, or chipped in along the way. And those relationships are really important to maintain. And I really think that's what will help get you to the next level. Absolutely. Um, relationships and network is key. Um, what about yourself, Um Jamie? Uh, I mean, I I would just echo Alexa there. Uh, it's just the relationship building. that, And that's just ultimately um, in, in the same way that um, yeah. whether it's just kind of a casual conversation that you've had with someone and then years later you cross paths and, you know, in the business world or, you know, maybe they're hiring you later on, like whatever it is, it's just always kind of having that um connection because at the end of the day that not only helps you grow as a person helps your business grow but that also like in kind of the day-to-day helps inform um like the product decisions just um who you should be kind of focusing uh on going after as like a customer right it really just like every touch point so it's it's really critical i think heather touched on it earlier too it's just not taking no for an answer and knowing that there's always a solution. Um, there's just always a different way to think about it. And so I do think a big part of it is being super relentless and just knowing that building a business is really hard um, and you got to push through it. Perseverance. Um, and, and can I ask you, ladies, are you, and, you know, obviously you, <laughs> you know, don't have to tell us, but I'm just intrigued like because I've worked with some of my um, great friends in the past and it hasn't worked out and they've been like amazing friends and then it hasn't worked out. Obviously you ladies were working together at the beginning. So you had a working relationship to begin with, but are you good friends and business buddies or how do you find the balance? Um, You know, I'm just intrigued. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, When we first set out to do this, we, um, Alexa mentioned this before, but our our mentors um, were the founders of Battery, Brett and Adam, and um, we always looked up to them and the relationship that they had, and they just always balanced each other out so well. And they also um, really knew how to, you know, use their own strengths and um, let the other person kind of, you know, win or um, or have the last say when it made sense, and that was their domain. And, and they just always had a very good way of balancing that. And I think that's something we've tried to bring to our relationship too. And they always told us that found, founders are, it's like being in a marriage. You can't, you can't keep balance. You can't keep separation. It's you're all in and you have to commit to each other every single day. Um, and I, I really found that. So um, I would, I would 
go to war for these two people that you, that we, you know, the three of us, we're, we're just a package deal now. Um, it goes beyond friendship. It's, it's definitely deeper than that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, look, you've got to, you've got to definitely all be on the, on the one team. That's for sure. Um, Tell me a little bit about, I'm just going to talk really briefly. This is something we always ask on the Palami uh, Power Plays podcast. Um, I'm just always intrigued, like if there is, and let, let's just say if there is such thing as the ultimate entrepreneur, I mean, this entrepreneur comes in all shapes and sizes, <laughs> um, but I'd love to know if there's someone within your members of your family even, or someone we might, might know like a Richard Branson perhaps, or just someone that embodies what entrepreneurship is to you that has inspired you along the way? I mean, it sounds like the founders of Vettery, um, and you can name them, obviously, but is there someone along the way that you're like, okay, that is what entrepreneurship is? Absolutely. I mean, certainly um, certainly the, the co-founders of Vettery were um, just, it was so incredible to obviously be able to work with them and have that kind of direct um, mentorship. Um, but I'd also say we're, we're big fans of Patrick Carlson over here, um, which, you know, the CEO of Stripe and perhaps he's not as much of a household name as like an Elon Musk, but he is a serious powerhouse that has, you know, set the foundation for groundbreaking payment solutions across the board. And it's just, um, you know, really, um, perhaps this also has a lot to do with me being a fintech nerd and coming from that space and, um, you know, obviously now being a payment solution, um, but really, really inspiring, uh, again, to just grow a, a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar, um, organization and, and be able to connect the world and in such a way. Um, however, I, I believe Alexa might have, uh, a bit more of, a um, uh, a fun one to add in there. They always give me a hard time on this, but I have played <laughs> so many, uh, sales motivational videos from, Will Smith. I just think he has a good message for sales folks and entrepreneurs as well. And it's just that hard work will will beat talent every time. He's always like, I I won't eat, I won't sleep, I'll work harder than the person next to me. And um, you know, there's no point in having a plan B if you're fully committed to plan A. And so that's been my outlook on on my career. I try to share it with my sales teams and um he's got some good videos, especially one of him running on a treadmill and he talks about how he'll die on the treadmill before the person next to him beats him. And I just love that kind of like won't give up attitude. Wow. That's, I love that. <laughs> talent. That's very strong. I love that. Um, and what about yourself, Heather? Oh, I'm a big Elon Musk fan. I think there's just something so inspiring about stating what your vision is when everybody else thinks it's crazy um, we had to do that when we decided to start a travel company on the onset of the pandemic. Um, everyone just wow. thought we were totally nuts, but we just believed in what we were doing. We knew we had the right team to do it. And, um, you know, nothing's impossible. If you break it down to the physics, um, you can always find a way. And I just love that attitude. And I guess with that in mind, what's next for Reposit? Um, I guess what are your 2021 goals? Or maybe you can share with us, you know, five years from now, whatever you, whatever you think. But um, for those list and and also for those listening, how do they sign up or onboard onto your platform as well? What's the best way? Yeah, I think our big focus is right now um, is to just continue to become the resource for for travel professionals. Um, you know, both to manage their current suppliers and discover new ones, and ultimately 
you know, building that payment rail solution for the industry as it continues to recover and then beyond too. And so whether you're, you know, you have your own travel business or you're, you're looking to get um, more distribution channels into the travel and event spaces, um, you know, that's what we're building Reposit for. And so, um, you know, people could just sign up on our website. It's just Reposit.io. Um, that's R-E-P-O-S-I-T-E dot I-O. Um, we make it pretty easy. Brilliant. And are you, are you ladies open to people like hitting you up on LinkedIn or like um, how do you prefer? What's the best channel? Are you on Twitter or do you prefer they go through the website? Um, what's your favorite way of communication? So certainly if they're interested in the, the product, the best way to do it is through the website. But we love, and I think I can speak for all of us on this, um, just if anyone has questions, whether it's an entrepreneur, just someone who wants to talk about the industry or what have you, um, whether they find us on LinkedIn and send a message or you know are extremely motivated and scrappy and like find our email address somewhere and cold email us. We love that because guess what? We do the same thing. Like yeah. you, no matter how far along you are in your career or in your trade or whatever it is, you can never stop learning and never stop growing. And I know that sounds kind of like generic advice, but um, I think kind of the last bit I'd, of advice I'd give there and kind of flip this question a little is um, don't be shy to like reach out to mm-hmm. To people and ask questions, the the worst thing that could happen is that they don't answer, or they, or you know, maybe say right. no, whatever. But they mostly, most people do answer, and you'd be shocked. And it's um, it's it's really awesome. So we love to, uh, we love when that comes inbound to us as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, I dare say um, people are going to uh, find you guys, and we're going to hear more about you guys and Reposit, no doubt. Look, I want to thank you for your time, and again, congratulate you on the amazing Forbes Thirty Under Thirty because it is no easy feat. It happens once a year, and there's only thirty of them, and you girls made it. So, congrats! Enjoy this moment, and we look forward to parlaying you and hearing more from Reposit in the future. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much.